look at a number of different scriptures this morning, and uh, so just uh, you may just want to write some of these down. We're actually going to start in uh, Acts chapter 7, and uh, so I thought we would uh, just share a few things this morning. It's Father's Day, and fathers always kind of get the short end, you know, of, of the sermon. It's like Mother's Day, we talk about how great moms are, and moms are wonderful, and life is great, and then we get to Father's Day, and then we kind of, we kind of, Fathers are terrible, you know, and men need to wake up. And it just feels like it's, it's just in my lifetime. It just feels like for some reason on Father's Day, we, where we're harder on the fathers than we are on the moms. And the reality is, it's difficult to be a mom or a dad. Amen? Uh, especially in this day and age. So I wanted to be a little more encouraging. thought we'd have a little more fun. I love the video. The video was great. Some of those were, uh, first of all, I think it was uh, Chris who had the Star Wars shirt on, which, did you read it? The sarcasm is strong with this one, amen? That's, that's, a, that's, that's a classic dad shirt right there, amen? And then one of the dads, I'm pretty sure one of those pictures, I don't know who it was, one of the dads, it looked like he had one of those party favors that you blow it and it's, you know, the thing that, right at the kid's face. You remember doing that with your children, blowing it right at, you know, blowing it right at their face? And uh, so, uh, but that, those were good, those were, those were good. And, uh, and, and Mike did another great job with the video. I love the way it started off. I was looking, I said, is that a typo? I said, nope, that's, he meant that. That was good. Amen. So, uh, but I want to share a few things with us. Uh, so I thought we'd start with a little bit of laughter and then we'll, then we'll jump into the, the text this morning. Because it's Father's Day, so you got to have some dad jokes, right? Amen. All right, so uh, I heard about the science teacher who asked little Johnny, said, when is the boiling point reached? Little Johnny said, when my father sees my report card. <laughs> Um, a little boy was, uh, was at the zoo with his father. Uh, they were looking at the tigers, and his father was telling him how ferocious they were. And the little boy says, Daddy, if the tigers were to get out and eat you up, and Daddy says, Yes, son. And the little boy says, Which bus do I need to take home? <laughs> so um, little Johnny came home, and his dad said, Let me see your report card. And little Johnny said, I don't have it. Daddy said, why not? He said, well, I gave it to my friend. He wanted to scare his parents. <laughs> Sounds like my report card. Amen. Um, this one I thought was cute. What does your father do for a living? Well, he's a magician. He performs tricks like sawing people in half. We said, do you have any brothers and sisters? Yes, four half-sisters and one half-brother. <laughs> well, uh, oh, my goodness. And this one's cute. This, I got a bunch of these. So let's get them out of the way before we, Amen. There's four men in a hospital waiting room because their wives are all having babies. A nurse goes up to the first guy and she says, congratulations, you're the father of twins. He says, well, isn't that something? I work for the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> a little while later, a nurse comes out and she says to the second guy, congratulations, you're the father of triplets. He says, well, isn't that funny? I work for the 3M company. <laughs> a little while later, another nurse comes out and says, congratulations, you're the father of quadruplets. He says, well, isn't that interesting? I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. The fourth man begins banging his head against the wall. <laughs> Sir, what's wrong with you? He said, I work for 7-Up. <laughs> so, amen. Oh. Son asked, Dad, do you know the difference between a pack of cookies and a pack of elephants? And the dad says, no. And the son says, then it's a good thing mom does the grocery shopping. All right. <laughs> well, um, one more, one more. Why not? He was a father of five children, and he, and he won a toy at a raffle. So when he came home, he got all his kids together, and he was trying to determine which one should have the present. So I'm going to let you decide. 
And so he says, which one of you is the most obedient? Which one of you never talks back to mother? And which one does everything that mother says? And the kids looked at each other and thought about it for a minute and said, Dad, we think you need to keep the toy. <laughs> so, all right, maybe that, you'll think that let, that, let that one sink in. All right, amen. Well, if you got your Bibles, Acts chapter 7, we're going to start in Acts chapter 7 this morning. One more, why not? Little boy's in bed, and he says, Daddy, will you bring me a glass of water? Dad hollers, says, I've already brought you ten glasses of water. And the little boy says, yes, but the bedroom is still on fire. So I'm not sure about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, amen. All right, that sounds like y'all have been there. All right, so when we think about Father's Day, I want to think about men of God, and I want to share a couple of things with this morning. What, kind, what is a man, what does a father look like? What does a man of God, what does a father look like, a father who's trying to serve the Lord? What are some things that we want to look at when we think about fathers today? And how do we honor our fathers? Why do we honor our fathers? I'll never forget the fact that, um, and, and we're all different. As, we, as we're here this morning worshiping, some of, some of you are still privileged to have your fathers with you. Some of us have had our fathers go on to be with the Lord. Uh, I never had the privilege of meeting my dad, uh, but I will never forget the day when as a, as, a, as a teenage boy, I went to the first Bible conference in Atlanta. It was a big Bible conference, and I'll never forget the pastor getting up in one of the lessons. He was sharing the fact that God is the father to the fatherless. And I remember that day finding out, thinking my whole life, thinking, well, I don't have a dad. I don't have a father. And then I remember hearing that, no, I do have a father. Uh, my father is God. Amen. And we all have that heavenly father. And so, uh, and I love it because from that day forward, whenever somebody said, my daddy's bigger than your daddy, I would always go, no, he ain't. <laughs> my, my dad's God. Amen. But uh, when we think about being fathers, I want us to think about a couple things this morning. The first thing I want us to think about is a good father, a good father, a godly father is a man of promise. He's a man of promise. And there's a lot involved with that. Not just a father who keeps his promises. That's a big deal. Amen. That's a challenge in the day we live today to, to be men of promise, men who keep their word. But I want to say this this morning that, that we keep our words because we know the God who keeps his word. Does that make sense? Amen. And when you think about being a man of promise, there's some, some things I want us to look at this morning. Acts chapter 7, verse 17. The Bible says that when the time of the promise was come, that God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. And the first thing that we look at this morning, we think about being a man of promise, is we think about the promise of history. The fact that, 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 that a, a godly father is going to know that God has made certain promises to his people. He's made certain promises to the church. And God will keep his promises. We don't always keep our promises, but God keeps his promises. Amen? And that's something we strive for as fathers, as men, in fact, just as Christians, to be a people of promise. But especially for men, especially fathers who will cling to history and know that what God has promised, God is going to carry out. Amen. And we need more of that today. We need more men who will set that example. We saw the video and we saw the pictures and then we heard several testimonies talking about those men who raised us in church, raised us to walk with God, taught us to trust the promises of God if you will. And so when God is moving in his time and his way, he's made promises to us and he keeps those promises. And with that in mind, First uh, Kings chapter 8 uh, verse 56 and Second Chronicles chapter 1 verse 9, won't turn there, but uh, in, in those passages in Second Chronicles chapter 1 verse 9, we're actually told that, um, uh, well let's see, maybe we will look at that. Uh, let's see, Second Chronicles chapter 1 verse 9, we're actually told 
that it says that uh, now, O Lord God, let your promise unto David my father be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. So Solomon is taking the throne. And after David has passed, Solomon is taking the throne. He says, I remember the promise that you made to David my father to establish his throne. Let me be the kind of leader that I need to be for the nation. And that's a great prayer for a father, that when we realize that when God has entrusted us with children, that we would be the kind of fathers, the kind of leaders that God needs us to be. And if you go back to 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, at the dedication of the temple, Solomon says, you made a promise that you would, that you would let us have a temple one day again. And, and, and he carried out that promise. And he said, the promise isn't just for me, but the promise is for our children and our children's children and generation and beyond. And when you think about being a man of promise, a promise of history, and the promise of what God has said he was going to do in the life of his people, it's important to remember that the church will rise or fall on the leadership of the men of God in the church who recognize the promises of God. Amen. That what God began in this church over a hundred years ago, he's carrying on today through the faithfulness of fathers. Amen? Y'all get that? Amen? And, and, and boy, and we'll say more about this in a minute, but we're living in a day when we need men who will set the example like that. Not just the promise of history, but the promise of salvation. Acts chapter 2, verse 39. The promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts chapter 13. With the promise of salvation, he gives the promise of a savior. When he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill my will. Of this man's seed has God, according to his promise, raised up to Israel a savior, Jesus. And in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 4, nine different times, Nine different times when Paul writes to the Galatians, he refers to this promise, the promise of a Savior, the promise of a Savior. One of the things that I was just thinking about this past week is how the fact that, and we talked about this in our devotions in the morning, we look at the Psalms, we talked about the fact that Israel is the chosen people of God. And right now it breaks my heart to know that so many Israelites, so many Jews by the millions all around the world do not realize that their Messiah has already come. The promise of David has been fulfilled, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we need to be men of promise, men who recognize the promise of history and the promise of salvation and through a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus. Not only do we need to be men of promise, but I think we need to be men of prayer. Now that goes without saying, amen? Men of prayer. How many of you remember kneeling beside Dad and praying with Dad? How do you remember praying with Dad? I remember when Caspian was growing up. My family's not with me this morning. My wife went down to see her dad, and, uh, and Caspian hadn't seen Granddad in a while. He lives with me. He doesn't need to see me every day. He didn't need to stay with me on Father's Day, so he went down to see his grandfather, and I'm okay with that. I really am. I'm not bitter. Amen. But, uh, but my son, when he was little, we would pray, and, and I remember we would kneel to pray, or we'd get ready for bed, and if we didn't pray, or we, I forgot, or whatever, he would say, Dad, we need to pray. Amen. And, and, and a lot of times he would be the one to make sure that, that dad knelt down in prayer. We'd go out to eat and we'd go to pray before a meal and, 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 and just something I've done my whole life. They sit the food in front of me and somebody puts food in front of you, you're supposed to eat. Amen. I mean, that's just how that works. And, and, I, and my tendency is, when I, is to start eating and, oh, I'll always take a bite or two. Wait, we need to pray. And sometimes it looks like I'm not even going to pray. And so Caspian would always be right there. When the food was set down, he would be like, now, dad, we got to pray. We got to pray. And, and, and so what a great testimony. I'm looking forward to the day when, 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 uh, when he has children of his own. 
and, and we're gathered around the table. And I get to look at him, and, and he's getting ready to eat. And I go, now, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. But we ought to be men of prayer, men who, who set that example for our family. The great revival of 1857 and 1858, one of the last great revivals in our nation that began in New York City, was started by a layman by the name of Jeremiah Lanfear. And, uh, and, and, and just by the thousands, laymen began to get together. Businessmen would leave their work, and they would go to local churches and places to pray. In fact, at one point, the, 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 the time of prayer had become so great that local bars would actually shut down and, then, and even become places of prayer during the day, and so much so that during the day when men would meet there to pray for revival, that nobody would go there to drink at night. And so the bars, actually the only reason they stayed open was to be houses of prayer. That's something, amen? And so this great revival was started by laymen. But if you've ever heard the story, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Uh, there's a story told about that, about the writing of that song and about the man who wrote that song. And he was ministering during this time of prayer. And, and he went to visit. It was a revival evangelist uh, event going on. And, and, and he was getting to know the men in the community. And one of the men that had attended the revival service and, and trusted Christ uh, was working with a machine. And his arm got caught in the machine. And it actually... Uh, cut his arm off and they tried to save him but he eventually died and and this evangelist was there with him during this time and 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 this was these were one of the last words that this man said he, he said tell the men tell the men to keep standing for jesus and then he wrote that beautiful song stand up stand up for jesus and if you know there's a line in the song which is more powerful when you know the story it says the arm of flesh will fail you but stand up stand up for Jesus. We ought to be men of prayer and teach our children to be children of prayer so that they will grow up to be men and women of prayer. Number three, men of passion. Now, I won't stay long on this point because my wife's not here uh, to keep me from getting in trouble. In fact, I've just got one really short thing written in the note here. But we ought to be men of passion. What do I mean by that? We ought to be men who love our families. And that ought to, we ought not be ashamed of that. I've seen more TV shows and more movies talk about fathers who never said I love you, never hugged their children, can I say to you that one of the most biblical things you can do is find that way to show your family that you love them and it doesn't hurt. It's okay. You can be a man. You can be a strong man. You can be a big man and you can hug your wife and your children. Amen. It's okay to give your kid. Now, this might embarrass some of the children, some of the younger, but it's okay to give your children a kiss on the cheek. Amen. Amen. Hey, here's, here's something else we need to remember. You know, it's okay, and I know our children hate this. Do you know it's okay to kiss your wife in public? I'm looking at the wives right now wondering why they're not elbowing their husbands. So some, either, either, either you don't want to start nothing or you're getting plenty of kisses. So it's all good. Amen. But we ought to be men of passion. We ought to show our children. I was thinking about that the other day. We was watching something. I don't remember what it was. It was a TV show or something. And it talked about, it talked about dancing with your wives. You ought to dance with your wife. That's what it was. We were doing, uh, Brother Bernard and his wife had written a book. And they just put it out on Amazon. And he asked us to go on Facebook Live and share some things with him about marriage. And he made the statement he said, you know, you ought to dance with your wife in the kitchen. And my wife and I just looked at each other. We do that all the time. Like a song would come on the radio, or we'd be playing something on, on the iPod, and we'd play a song, and I got a couple of songs that I really like, and when they come on, I, I just, I just, I just, I just, I mean, the rhythm's going to get you, amen. I just, I feel the beat, and I just, you know, I, I'm a Baptist, I know, and so I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't want to get in trouble, amen. But, but I'm married, and I think it's okay to dance with your wife in the kitchen. And so, and so a song will come on, and we'll start dancing. And, 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 and Caspian will walk through, and he'll do what most children do when they walk through. And they see mom and dad dancing or kissing in the kitchen. He walks through, and he goes, oh, you know. You know? 
At which point we're just like, you just wait, buddy, you just wait. Amen. <laughs> but we ought to be men of passion. We ought to be men who show our families. And that's going to be expressed different ways. We're not all going to be the same. Don't try and be different than who God made you to be. But make sure you're finding that way to show that you love your wife, you love your children, you love your family, that you're a man of passion. Amen. All right, so that's enough on that. And then not on that, we ought to be men of patriotism. Men of patriotism. Now, um, let's turn to, turn back in Chronicles. This time I want to look at, uh, what do I want to look at? We want to look at, uh, see, 1 Chronicles chapter 12. 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and chapter 13. And I want to read one verse. Let me see if I got the right one. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. And, and if, you, if you don't get anything else this morning, mark this verse. Let this kind of be the guiding verse this morning that, that pulls this whole message together. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. The Bible says that of the children of Issachar, there were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. So of a particular tribe of the children of Issachar, there were men with a special wisdom, a special knowledge of what was happening in the world and what needed to be done at that time. Can I say to you that right now, more than ever, in our world, we need men who, who know what needs to be done? We need men who can look at the world and look at our nation and see where leadership is needed. Amen? Say amen. We need what we're seeing in the news today. And I didn't bring the statistics. I didn't want to go that way with the message this morning. But what we're seeing today is a generation of, of boys and girls who are growing up without the right kind of influence in their home. So that even if they do have a father, and sadly too many of these instances, they didn't get to grow up like me and find out that they had a heavenly father. They're growing up with no earthly example of leadership from either a mother or, or, or especially from a father. And we know the statistics about those boys who grow up without a dad and, and all those different things. And what we're looking at when we see the world today is we're seeing a generation that's thirsty for real leadership. And beloved, I want to suggest and I want to say very strongly that we who are the leaders in the church have the best opportunity and the best example to show the generation today exactly what is needed. And it's leadership that comes from the Word of God. Amen. It's not what the Constitution says. As wonderful a document as that is, and as flawed a document as that is, it's what the Word of God says. We need men who know the times and the seasons and know how to minister the Word of God. We need fathers who will sit down with their sons and their daughters, their families today, and say, now when you see what's happening in the world, this is what the Bible says, and this is how we respond, and this is how we meet violence and anger and all the hatred and all the sinfulness and fleshliness of this world right now. We meet it with the grace of God and the love of Christ through the cross. Amen. We need that now more than ever. Men who know the seasons. In First Chronicles, back in chapter 11, David became king. And in chapter 11 and chapter 12, leading up to this, we find all these men who are being gathered to David. But here in this verse, you have one group of men that were told knew the times and the seasons and knew what to do. I can't think of a worse thing than for any generation, for any leader, for anyone to find themselves in a place where there's nobody who has an understanding. When you can't find somebody that knows what needs to be done. 
And so I'll say a couple of things about this very quickly and then we'll move on. Men who understand the times and the seasons, we know how to address conflict. And right now, beloved, I think it's clear. We're dealing not just with a pandemic, but we're dealing with a, a social struggle right now. And, and our nation is in conflict. And, and we, we don't know anymore. We, we need men and we need women, but we need leaders. We need leaders who will step up and show us how to have an intelligent conversation with someone. And here's the challenge. You and I need to be able to try and have an intelligent conversation with somebody who doesn't know how to have an intelligent conversation or doesn't want to have an intelligent conversation because they're so angry. And beloved, I want to say that, that you can't settle that sometimes. With all the words in the world, it won't matter unless it's first backed up and bathed in prayer. And so a man of prayer can become a man patriotism, a man who represents his country right and, and shows the generation where we need. When you think about, and I've got notes in here about war, especially when we think about going to war, one of the things we need to understand as Christians is that nobody wins in a war. Nobody wins in a war. Nobody wins when violence is the result. And yet the world we live in is a warring world, a world that's ultimately at war with each other because we're at war with God. And so I want to say this as lovingly and graciously and kindly as I can, that as fathers, the greatest thing that we can show our children is not just that they love their nation, but that we love the real nation that we've been made a part of through faith in Jesus Christ. That we show our children that our ultimate faithfulness lies to the kingdom of God, because that is the kingdom that ultimately conquers all the kingdoms of men and brings them to the peace that only God can bring. Amen. I love my country. I love my country, and I will continue to love my country. And I'm brokenhearted over the fact that, that depending on who you ask, we can't pray in schools the way we used to. The Bible's been taken out of schools, and you're seeing more and more in, 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 in politics, and you're hearing people say that you shouldn't pray before the Senate, and you shouldn't pray when Congress... And throughout every year, as long as I can remember, there's always been somebody saying that when Congress opens, and state representatives are the, or, or in D.C. or wherever it is, you hear more people saying that we don't need chaplains in the military, we don't need chaplains in our prisons, are you kidding me? If we need chaplains anywhere, that's where we need them. Amen. But more and more you hear people saying that, 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 that we don't need to open. We don't need to open a political discussion by beginning in prayer. And I'm going to say that that's why we're having some of the problems we're having. Because we're talking to the wrong people. We're not going to the one who has the answer. Amen. Now more than ever, we need to show a generation and raise up a generation of young people who by God's grace, pursue political office, and when they get that office, they remember to always put God first. Amen. Soldiers who go into the military, those men and women who choose to go into the military, I've had this conversation with so many young people in my life, and they always, a couple of them looked at me kind of strange. They didn't understand when I said it. I told them, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've chosen to serve your country. That's a big decision. Amen. I said, you just need to remember that your commander, your orders do not come from that sergeant, that colonel, that general, or even the president. Your orders come first and foremost from God. Joining the army, joining the military, any branch, doesn't mean that God ceases to be. No, now more than ever, God is the commander-in-chief. Amen? And I've taught young people that, and, and we hear about some of the things that happen in war, and I'll tell you, beloved, it wouldn't happen if we remembered, if we remembered who we get our orders from. And we need fathers who will teach that kind of patriotism. And then here's the last thing this morning. 
not just, not just men of passion and prayer and, and patriotism and, and, and men of promise, but men of power, real power. And not, not this kind of power. You know, we say power and then we make a fist, but that's not the kind of power we're talking about. We're not talking about physical power. Amen? I heard a preacher talk one time. I mean, I mean I, it might, well, this might be hard for you to believe. I work out. I do. I work out every now and then. Amen. I, I work, I work, I work. I'm not, I mean, I'm not strong. I'm not frail. I'm not super strong, but I'm not. I could take off my jacket. I could show you, I could show you a, a part of a muscle. I could. Amen. I could. I, I, I do, I, I do push-ups. I do, I do. I do. Well, I do one every day. I do, I, I, I do, I do half in the morning. I push myself up to get out of bed. And then at the end of the day, all right. All right. You understand what I'm saying, amen? It's not about physical prowess. The, you know, it, it, it's, we're not talking about this kind of power. We're talking about a power that comes from God. I love the fact that in the Bible, one of the mightiest, the, one, the, 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 the story of Gideon, do you remember the story of Gideon? And, and, how, and, how, he, and how God chose this man, and, and nobody knew who he was. He wasn't a king, he wasn't a general, there was nothing popular about him, and God chose him. And if you read the story, I love the story, because the Bible says that the angel appeared unto him. And go back and read this for yourself. Look at it. He says, when he first appears to Gideon, he says, Hail, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon goes, <laughs> you talk, What? You're not talking to me, are you? He said, Hail thou mighty man of valor. Because the angel knew something about Gideon that Gideon didn't even know about himself. That Gideon had a faith that was stronger than the physical appearance. Let anyone know. Amen. Some of the strongest men that you and I will ever know, some of the strongest men you and I, and we'll never acknowledge their strength, are men who behind the scenes are praying, praying for their families, praying for their church, praying for their nation. They have a power that comes from God. Have you ever walked into the presence of the room or, and, and, and walked up to a man and, and, and you just knew there was something about him that didn't have anything to do with his size or his stature? It was the presence of God. There have been two times in my life when I walked into a church and there was a man sitting on the front pew. One time he was sitting about the equivalent of that pew, one that pew, and then two different men. And I walked in, I came in through the door of the church, I didn't come in the back, came in the front. And when I walked in, these two preachers were sitting uh, two different times, two totally different men. And I walked in, and when I walked in, I just felt like I had walked into the presence of God. Now, I won't give you their names, but these are notable preachers, men who throughout their life have preached the word of God. And, and when I walked in and I came face to face with him, I didn't see a, a mighty man, a strong man, a big physical. I saw a man of God. And, and there was power attached to that. And we would all do well to, to strive for that as fathers, as men. Here's what the Bible says, Luke 24, verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So now you have the first thing we talked about, the promise. And in the middle you talk about tarrying in prayer, so men of prayer. And then you have men of power. So can I just close with this this morning? If we want to be the fathers that, we, that, that God wants us to be, if we want to be the kind of men that the world needs today, men of power, we have to first be men of promise, men of prayer. We trust the Lord, we talk to God, and then we do what God has called us to do with the power that God has given us to do it. Amen? The Bible says that God chooses the weak to confound the strong, the foolish to confound the wise. 
And if you don't believe that's true, all you got to do is take a look at who's preaching to you this morning. Amen. Because you ain't going to find a more weaker, foolish person walking the face of the earth than me. But I stand before you by the grace of God. I do what I do because God has called me to do it. And there are days when I am, I'm able to hold my head up and think I'm doing everything that God wants me to do. And there's other days when I think, Lord, we really missed the mark today. But in every day, every day I can say that I am walking with my Father, my Heavenly Father, to be the man that He wants me to be. And you can't go wrong as a man when you make that commitment. Amen? Acts chapter 1 verse 4, assembled together with them, he commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Acts 2.33, therefore being by the right hand of God and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has given us this power which you now see and hear. There are men and women and people in the world today who think right now in the world we're living in on this Father's Day that power is in politics or power is at the end of a of a weapon or that power is in how loud we shout with an angry voice you and I know that power real power rests in a man or woman who has surrendered their life to God and is trying to honor and please the Lord Jesus Christ and we need the world to see that now more than ever and when they look at the church they need to look into the church and they need to see men, fathers, families that are trusting in the power of God and the promises of God. And that when we respond, we don't respond with our flesh and with what we want to say or in anger, but we respond by getting on our knees in prayer and asking God to show us and make us a people who understand the times and the seasons so that we can do what God has called us to do and respond to this world the way that we need to respond to this world. Amen? Now, now, I got more, but I'm going to stop. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want you to bow your heads. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes and just think for a minute this, this, this morning. And when I preach, the same as when I preach to, to fathers, I do, I do the same thing on Father's Day, I do on Mother's Day. I know not everyone here is a father. There are younger men here, and, and I know that, that, that some of these things may not apply to you as far as a family goes. But I speak on Mother's Day to all the women to be godly women, and I speak now to all the men that we would be godly men, especially those of us that God has entrusted at this time in our life with the responsibility of being a father. And that when the world looks to the church and looks at us, that they would know that we have a promise that is greater than anything that is broken in this world. That we have a power that comes from one who is in control of everything and helps us know how to respond. And we talk to him regularly in prayer. And when the world looks at us, they see that what we are passionate about, we are passionate about it because God is passionate about saving us and making us the people that he wants us to be. So I invite you to do this this morning. I would ask all of the men here, especially the fathers, when was the last time you prayed with your family? When was the last time that you showed your family that you were passionate, not, about, not just about them, but, but also about the Lord? 
And will we let this time on this Father's Day, this Sunday morning be a time when we let God renew in us a passion and a promise and a prayer and a power and a patriotism, all of these things that honors God and shows the world that Christ is the hope of the world on this Father's Day. Now, Father, I pray this morning that you would just take our hearts and lives and that you would just move among us. Father, some of us still have young children at home. Some of us have children who are already grown and they've moved on and maybe taken wives and have children of their own. And then, Father, there are others of us who, this morning, who whose children are maybe older, but they're still at home with us. We just, different things. And then, and then, Father, there may be men here who don't have that family yet. And I pray that the things we've looked at and heard this morning will help us. And I pray that by your Holy Spirit, we would step up and stand up and show the world what godly leadership looks like. What real fatherhood looks like in a day when when biblical manhood is under assault, when the family is under attack,